Hey, good morning, Church on the Rock. All right, all right. I, uh, I hope you are starting to get the Christmas spirit here at uh, Church on the Rock. Uh, isn't that beautiful walkway? Uh, there's uh, some wonderful people that have made these decorations for us all. And uh, today we have our artist in residence, Jana Arnold, and she's going to be painting during the worship. You're going, what's that about? This is another way to creatively worship God. And as you see that uh, canvas unfold, you can let that lift your heart up to, uh, to praise God as she, uh, as she does that. Well, we are in uh, week number two of our Advent series about uh, uh, like preparing the way for, uh, for Christ in our hearts during Christmas. Let's pray. And uh, I'm going to ask that God would come and be our teacher this morning. Heavenly Father, you are good all the time. And Lord, during this Christmas season, we can stop and unplug for moments like on Sunday mornings. What a great idea you had to, to do this gathering where we can uh, keep our phones off. Don't let that, that the world just press in us, but allow us to focus on you for these moments. Feed our souls on your holy word. Feed our souls during worship. Just feed our souls in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, driving around uh, this week, I, uh, I noticed, okay, Christmas is in full gear. I know stores want us to think that the day after Halloween. But no, I've seen Christmas trees on cars. Isn't that, isn't that the symbol? All right, people are preparing, getting ready for Christmas. You go into Fortino's, you see all the baking stuff, and you go, wow, that's that. Okay, people are preparing and getting ready for this thing. It's like, it's like there's this, this spring that's tightening down that, that's uh, during Christmas time, right? Okay, let's make all the, the friends' plans. Let's, let's make all the meal things, get all the presents. And then it just explodes on one day. It's Christmas Day, boom. And I know some people are going, oh, you know, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be just one day. It should be every year, right? Every day, every, okay. For those of you who love Christmas, isn't that one day awesome? All right. And it is. And I just want you to get that one feeling, that one feeling almost rewind as if you were a little kid. And you were, you were going, oh, I can hardly wait for Christmas. Try and catch that feeling. Try and catch that feeling of the anticipation. You see the lights. You see the tree. You see the gifts. And you can hardly wait for that one day. Remember that feeling. Why? Because I believe that was the feelings of God. Does God have feelings? Of course he does. We're made in his image. We have feelings. But he prepared so much for one day. Last week we talked about all the prophecies in the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before Jesus was on the scene, God whispered through the book of Genesis, there is somebody that's going to come and crush evil. He whispered to Abraham, listen, one of your people, one of your descendants is going to bless the whole world. He, he told Moses, listen, there's going to be a prophet just like you, but guess what? He is going to be bringing God's perfect words. He told David, listen, your one son is going to be the king that will have a kingdom that will never end. He to told Isaiah there's going to be a baby that's going to be born. And this will be wonderful God, feet on the planet, God come to earth. All that hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus showed up, God was winding the spring down to explode on the day that we call Christmas. And so the, the word Adventist means, means to prepare for the coming of an important per person. And that's what God had been doing time and time again. In fact, there's a, there's a scripture 
that Jesus is talking to religious people who had read a lot of the Old Testament, in fact, studied it, memorized huge swaths of it. In fact, they were very proud that they knew the Old Testament. This is what Jesus said to them in John 5, 39 to 40. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. In other words, if you know the Bible enough, you will have eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. I'm in Genesis, he's basically saying. I'm in Exodus. I'm in everything. It, there, it's not about, there are, there are signposts talking about when I, God, is going to show up on planet. He says, yet you've refused to come to me to receive this life. So, God prepared the world, especially the Jewish uh, people, for the coming of, of Jesus. But more than that, he prepared, more than that, he prepared, I believe, all of human history for this. All of human history. This was no random time that God said, well, that looks like a good time to come. <laughs> you start to look at all the details of how everything had to line up. The more I've looked into it, the more I'm just in pure awe and wonder of the history of the world. That this moment in time, that day that exploded out that we call Christmas, was the day. Uh, the Bible tells a little bit about it, Galatians 4, 4. It says, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent his son. We don't know what the fullness, he doesn't like tell us what the fullness of time is. And, and so we go, all we need to know is the perfect time. It couldn't have been a better day. It couldn't have been a better epoch. That was the time. In, in the perfect time, God sent his son. And now after it's happened, you know, with the last things in life, we can look back in the rearview mirror and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Let me just point out a few of them. We don't have time to get into it a lot, but I thought it might just interest some of you. Uh, n <laughs> number one, there's this universal language, universal language. Uh, Alexander the Greek came and, and ran through all these countries, but he just didn't conquer them. He gave them culture. And, and th this culture was a Greek language. And so everywhere from England to, to, uh, to India, there, were, there was Greek being spoken. You say, what a time for Jesus to come, if he wanted his message to spread quickly and for everyone to get it, it would be a time in history where there was a, a language that was understood by most cultures in the Western world. Not only that, there were Roman roads, Roman roads. Now, we don't get a lot of this. Roman legions were there to fight, but they also brought building equipment. So they had engineers, and when you're, if you're in the Roman legion, you were building roads all the time. That's what you just did. And when I was in Scotland, I got to walk a Roman road. You see, you know, we're going up, I was going up around these hills, and, you know, okay, that's great. And then it says, you're going to walk an ancient Roman road. It was like, phew, straight as everything. You just like straight through everything. So, yeah, it was wild to think these people just built roads everywhere they went. Well, why is that important? If you want to get a message out as quickly to as many people as possible, wouldn't you want a universal language? Wouldn't you want a transportation system that would take it everywhere so quickly? Not only that, there's this Roman peace, Roman peace. Oh, sorry. In fact, it says the famous Roman roads, I'll go to that quote, would allow messengers to travel safely with news and ideas. There's also this thing called Pax Romana, which is a window of time where the Romans made peace. They were in charge of peace, kept it, and, and, and basically there were no large battles or wars going on. 
The Babylonians have wars against the Persians. The Persians had wars against the Greeks. The Greeks had Romans, but, you know, battles against the Romans. It seemed like the, the ancient world was always in, in, in major wars, except a little bit of time. There's this little tiny bit where it was like pure peace. And, and the, the historians recognize this. As, uh, as uh, one writer says, uh, uh, Pax Romana, means, which literally means Roman peace, refers to the time period from 27 BCE to 180 uh, Common Era. This 200 period saw unprecedented peace and economic prosperity through the uh, empire and spanned from England in the north to Morocco in the south and Iraq in the east. There was this time, historic time, where if you wanted to get a message out to everyone, not only would you have the language, you had the roads, but you wouldn't be running into armies trying to kill you here or there. It was just a perfect time. Not only that, there's a small window of time in Judean history. There's this relatively small time in, in Israel history. Uh, the, the Maccabean re, re, revolt, the, these, the, the Jewish people were, were revolting against Rome about 140 B.C. There's the, the destruction of the temple about 170 A.D. And so there's a little time in Jewish history where they're not trying to get, get killed everywhere they went. So there's this peace of Rome. There's this peace of Israel. If you want to come and, and get the message out to the world... This is literally a sliver of time in human history. And the last one, I'm just going to say how well it was timed out. Just perfect time. It was the population explosion. Now, I know it's a little bit, <laughs> I'm not sure if you can wrap your head around this. But the idea is the population sort of bumps along, right? It sort of bumps along. And then you know, understand exponential math, right? All of a sudden, everything, you know, you two times two times two times two. And all of a sudden, the population goes, boom, like that. That's how the world population was. There are people who, who guess, who, who try and work out backwards what the world population is. And they're called Institution for Social Research. And they said this. <laughs> they said, before Christ, there, there were, uh, by, by the way, they, they think there's 105 billion people that have ever existed on the planet. 105 who have ever existed. Okay, and all the people who were born and died up to Jesus was 2%. Isn't that wild? And then the population just exploded. So if you had to pick a moment in history, which would be the that time to send somebody, it would be the exact time that Jesus came. As uh, William Lane Craig in a debate with atheist Christopher, Christopher Hitchens, he said this, God's timing couldn't have been more perfect. He quoted this uh, researcher. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. If you want to get the most people to hear the message, it was no random time that God showed up. God was getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> he, he made all the prophecies. He'd go, okay, okay. Now all of history, human history is going, okay, oh, we got this window, okay. It's happening, it's happening. Arm shaking excitement. The tree is up. The turkey's in the oven, you know. My son's going to come to earth and save humanity. Yeah. <laughs> it is the perfect time. And so during Advent, we say, okay, God, if you prepared so much, how can we prepare our hearts? During the Christmas season. Week one, we lit the candle of hope. The hope is the anticipation of the goodness of God. Hope is found in Jesus, we talked about. What would it be like to walk through life to say, okay, God, 
I know you're with me. I know you're for me. Therefore, I am anticipating your goodness. When, when you come into Church on the Rock, you know we do those signs, right? Do you ever see the sign right here? It says, anticipate the goodness of God. You know why I do that? Because I want you to go, okay, the kids, oh, I got to get here. This, you know, there's a traffic or, oh, I finally made it. I need another coffee. And you get there and you go, welcome, yeah, welcome. And then, then you're going to pass a sign that says, anticipate the goodness of God. I want you to just stop for a moment and go, hold on, no. God is going to show up in this moment. God is going to show up this morning, and I'm going to hope, I'm going to anticipate his goodness. Can I share with you a prayer I made? I, was, I made up a prayer. It's not holier than anybody else's, but I just, I need to have a prayer. So every morning I go like this. I put my, I hold up my, my hands like this. I said, oh, Lord God Almighty, oh, Holy One who sees. And then I have three phrases. I, the first one, I go, Fill me with hope again. Do you ever feel like you need hope again? I do. I do. Fill me with hope again. And the other ones are empower me from above and lead me in every way. I figured those would be good things to pray every day, especially in the morning. Can I tell you something about that hope prayer? <laughs> it has just infused me with energy and vision and hope for the day. So this is how we prepare our hearts for Christmas. Can we walk through the Christmas season, even beyond, but let's stick to the Christmas season. God, fill me with hope again today. Well, uh, the Christian tradition says that peace is the second candle, peace. We know about peace treaties, peace is stopping all war, absence of conflict, but that's only a very small piece of what peace is. In fact, the Hebrews had a much wider word for peace called shalom, shalom, shalom. It was a greeting, shalom. And when, when people met each other, they, they would offer each other peace. It's more than just peace. It's being, being complete or whole. In other words, if there was a stone fence, and if you look down the stone fence, and there weren't any stones out of it, it was shalom. It was complete. It was whole. Uh, Job talked about he looked over his flocks and they're all bedding down for the night. And he, he, he just imagine a rancher looking over all these flocks, right? And he counted one, two, three, four, five. You know, anyway, they're all there. No one was missing. And he said he had shalom because they were complete, whole. And it was, it's, it's not like complete wholeness, but it's that feeling that, get, that gets connected to it, right? Oh, good. Things are going to be okay. Things are going to be okay because life is complex. For most of us, it's missing and broken pieces. And because of that, it's hard to have peace. And sometimes I go, well, okay, you know how important peace is. Can we, can we just reflect on a moment how important peace is? Just, just to put in perspective. Let, let's say you went out in the world at your work. You say, okay, what's uh, what would be your greatest dream? What would be your greatest dream? Oh, win the lottery. Great. I'd travel the world. Free to travel the world. Free to travel the world. Marry so-and-so. Okay, great. Marry so-and-so. You line them all up, whatever it is, right? Now, just a thought experiment. Put the words without peace behind any of those. How good are they? I'll travel the world without peace. Oh. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't sign me up. I'm going to win the lottery without peace. Oh, can I, can I have the peace with that? 
I want it. Oh, yeah, no, without peace. No, never mind. <laughs> you know, there's something about peace that transcends so much of what we want. And that's that completeness, that wholeness. Well, why did uh, the Christian church decide that peace was so important during Christmas time? That probably has something to do with this story called Luke chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. And it goes like this. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Sounds familiar? <laughs> Praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace. Peace to those whom his favor rests. I know there's a popular song that talks about there is no peace. Talking about wars. It's not talking about wars here. It's the peace on earth to those, to individuals, to people. And that always bothered me. You know, is love to have pastors being bothered by the Bible? Anyway, so, so it bothered me. The peace is given to those on whom God's favor rests. And, and part of me goes, oh, right. how about if his favor doesn't rest on me? <laughs> you know, I like you, I like you, I like, oh, I don't like you. <laughs> so you don't get my favor. So my favor only, right, you know, the, the peace only rests on the people that God decides to give favor to. And so I was asking that question I was reading about, and it's interesting. Whenever we have a good question in the New Testament, often the Old Testament answers it. And there's this beautiful scripture, it goes like this, in Isaiah 66, 2. These are the ones I look on with favor. Oh, oh, that's the favor thing. How do I have the favor of God resting on me? Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. Don't have it all figured out? Well, sign me up. <laughs> you are, are not in charge. No. You're humble. Contrite in spirit. And who tremble at my word when I say things. That's the important part. That's the important part. I realize that God gives grace to the humble. And uh, those of us who have surrendered our lives to God... Humility is, is attached to that. There, there's, there's moments that we believe there is a God. That's great. We believe that Jesus is the son of God. That's great. But then he asks us to do something. He asks for an exchange. He asks us, will you surrender your life to me? Will, will you humble yourself, admit your sin? I, yeah, I am far from perfect. I admit that, God. I, I, I turn from that. That's called repentance. And, and you have my life. And anyone who calls on him as Lord, you're the Lord of my life. Believe in his heart as God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. It's, it's that humbling yourself. And so any of us that come and humble ourselves to God, we step into a living relationship with him. And when we step on into a living, living relationship, there's this peace that is promised to anyone who has done that because his favor rests on us. His favor rests on us to have peace. And the peace starts with him, between him and I. And, and a lot of us didn't even know we were having a fight with God. <laughs> but there is this separation between us and God. And this is what he says in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. By faith, that's the thing. God, you have my life. That's that step of faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. 
So that restores the wholeness of the relationship between us and our creator. That, that creates a shalom between us. But then, along with that comes a personal peace, a felt peace, a peace that actually we walk with. And that is so important. That is so important. Uh, I was uh, listening to some people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know how much of the self-help literature is just to try and get peace in people's lives. And yet it doesn't seem to quite get it. It brings you up to the edge, but it doesn't get it. doesn't matter how many candles you smell or what kind of music you put on or how to clear your mind of everything. Guess what? It still doesn't work because you still wake up from that or you still have to go to work. And, and it's, it's just, it gets you to the point of peace almost and then falls short. I think this is what Jesus was saying in, in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Hold on, your peace? You're about to go to the cross and you got peace? <laughs> okay, okay. I do not give it to you as the world gives. The world is trying to give you a kind of peace. It's not the same stuff. Not the same stuff. So I'm going to give you this peace that's different than anything you're going to read at Indigo. It's just different. So let your hearts, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. How is it different? How is it different? How is this peace different? It starts with us having peace with God, and then it ripples out to our minds and our emotions. I could, I could sit here and read for the next half hour scripture that, that says basically the same thing again and again and again and again. But I'll give you two verses so you get the idea. There's a theme across all of the word of God. Uh, the first one's in the Old Testament. I'm going to do one Old Testament, one New Testament. And there's two things I want to pop out at you. Uh, first one, Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, trust in you. I don't want us to, to sleep through that one. Can you say trust in you? One, two, three. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's great. Trust in you. You'll keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All trust, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. It's about our thoughts and it's about trusting. Thoughts and trusting. Okay, that's what the Old Testament says. What does the New Testament say? Well, I picked this one out that many of you might know. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't be anxious about anything. Great. Easy to say. But the Bible answers the question, right? But in every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Oh, God. Oh, God. I give this to you. I just want to thank you for all the good things you've given to me. Present. Present. That's a beautiful word. Present. Why, why, I'm going to tell you why, why that word just a minute, because it's really cool. Present, present your request to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. But guess what? It's a gift exchange. We do a gift exchange with God. Isn't that awesome? We present him with something. Oh, God. Ah, oh, Merry Christmas. I'm going to give you all my anxiety. Nah, no problem. <laughs> and you know what he gives us back? His peace. And it transcends all, understand, uh, all understanding. And, and in fact, not only that, because it doesn't make sense in your brain, it will also guard your hearts and your minds. Because your mind is going to go, oh, no, 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 no. But no, no. He gets God's peace is going to actually guard your mind. Well, well, well Dave, I... 
I pray and it really doesn't help. Can I say, a lot of prayer is not trusting prayer. It's worrying prayer. Uh, we often complain to God, which is not all bad. The Psalms, complaining to God is not all bad. Sometimes we worry to God. That's not all good. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, this person, uh, and you know what, uh, okay, and, and this isn't going to work out. Uh, uh, and and you, amen. <laughs> all you're doing is, wow, great. You did nothing. <laughs> there was no gift exchange there. There was no gift exchange. But trusting God is an exchange. It's an exchange. That's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, just cast your anxiety. Cast your anxiety on him. Well, why? He wants that present from you. Well, why doesn't he just take it from me? <laughs> he made you a free being. You can hold on to it if you want. Or you can cast it on him. Cast it on him. Well, well Dave, Dave, what does this look like? What does this look like? Because that, that seems very theoretical. Well, let me, let me explain a small moment in time in my life. And uh, I, was, uh, I went to this, I was a youth pastor at this church. I wanted to complete my master's. I did, I did uh, you know, I, everywhere I went, I've loved education. So I did, you know, a course here, a course here, a course here. And so I'm going to land in Burlington. I said, hey, can I go to Mac and finish my master's? They said, said no problem, come come and, and be our youth pastor. You can finish your master's. Great. And then another really big dream of mine is to write. I love to write. I'm not sure if I'm even good at it. I've just got so much in my head. Once it gets out on paper, I go, whoo, that's good. I just love to write. So those are my, great, I'm going to settle down, get a job for a while. And then <laughs> and I found out, hold on, I really couldn't get an education. There was only one place I was allowed to go down in Dallas, and I didn't have the time or I wasn't allowed the time to do that. Then I was told that I couldn't have a day off, that that uh, the amount of work that was needed was uh, easy, easy 70, more like 80 hours a week. Yeah, 70 is nothing. That's only 12 hours a, a day for six days. That assumes you get a day off. We weren't, we were told we couldn't have a day off. So anyway, so I just, all of a sudden I realized, like for months, for months, I, I'm not going to get my education. I'm not going to, I'm going to have a moment to write. Uh, just, okay, uh, right? Okay, uh, just stupid. Uh, okay, okay, and, okay, you know, because I'm a pastor, I do it in a holy way, uh, and I don't swear. But it still counts, okay. So, uh, okay, in the middle of it. And then, I'll, you know, it's like, do you ever get God poking you? <laughs> right? Sometimes we call this tap on the shoulder here at Church on the Rock. And I got convicted. So this is what I did. I went out to the Bruce Trail. I had a half hour lunch. That's how much we were allowed. I went out to the Bruce Trail, decided not to eat that day. I got a bunch of rocks, put it on the Bruce Trail as if it was an altar. And, and emotionally, this is what I did. Okay, God, I'm going to trust in you for my education. If I never get it, the rock on the altar, that's okay. That's yours to deal with. That's not my problem anymore. You can deal with that. I give it to you. I present to you my anxiety. I present to you my anxiety of ever wanting to write again. I had to look at it for a while because some dreams are hard to die, right? Okay. I've invited you in. You can do whatever you want. The thing is, a lot of times we trust God for the outcome. Okay, you're going to get me to do this. No, no, I'm just trusting the person of God. I might never get that. That's okay. Because he's God and I'm not. And I've trusted him. So I did this gift exchange. I put it there. 
I left it there. Can I tell you when I walked away from that altar, I felt lighter? Can, can you feel can you just It was lighter. It was just good. It was just good. I exchanged my anxiety, and he gave me his peace. Didn't make sense? Not a bit. <laughs> Not a bit. But I was able to walk in his peace. Well, I don't want to make a big deal of it because this story happened to turn out well. Not all stories do, really. But fast forward, I left that church for obvious reasons. <laughs> I, I realized I could not work at another church for a while. I need to take some time off. And I found out that MacDiv College could take all my credits and give me a master's in one year. So I went and did that. After when I was there, they said they'd pay for further education for me uh, in University of Toronto. So I went and did my, my doctorate work, and they paid for it. I go, wow, who does that, right? Who does that? I left it with you. And, so, and, and then I had this wonderful free time to write, and I finished off this book called Reasons to Believe, which we have here for the low, low price of zero dollars. You take one. <laughs> but even if he didn't, that wasn't the point. The point was I needed to walk lighter and just let things go into his hands. So trusting is not trusting in the outcome. It's trusting in the person because peace is found in the person of Jesus. Several times, maybe daily, weekly, even hourly, we're going to take that gift off the altar, aren't we? We're going to go, here, it's yours, God. Oh, no, I liked it. <laughs> and you're going to hold on to the worry anxiety. So, so this, this is why I love this verse, Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Rule. You've got a ruler in your, in your heart of God's peace. So, okay, God, I give it to you. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> okay, you got a ruler in there. No, peace, peace. You leave it at God's altar? Okay. If he needs you to do something, he'll tell you what to do. What to do. What do you need to leave at the altar to prepare your heart for this Christmas? That's the, that's the question at the end of this, this uh, sermon. Let's do a gift exchange now. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. Because peace is found in the daily decision to trust Jesus. Here at Church on the Rock, if you haven't figured it out, we like to be very useful and practical. So I'm going to give you a moment to do that. Do you have a gift exchange right now for Jesus? As we quiet our hearts, as we take a moment in silence, is there something that you need to give and put on the altar? Well, I'm going to invite you to do that now, just, just in your seat, just internally. You say, okay, God, I trust in you for that. I trust that all the outcomes, I trust in you for that situation. Why? I want you to experience the peace of Christ. So, let's close our eyes. Let's have a moment of silence. And before you do that gift exchange, I have one more verse I'm going to read to you. Let's be quiet. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Trust in him now.
Heavenly Father, I pray that peace will rule here as we worship, as we use our prayer corner, take communion, as we come to you. May peace rule in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.